Welcome back to the West Wolf Podcast. I am your host, J.D. Jackson. As promised today, this episode is all about the fans. If you got a Westbrook fan and myself, we've got a diehard Thunder fan who watched Russell Westbrook grow. We've got two Lakers fans, and the point is to put all of our heads together and come with the best possible outcome for the Lakers to come out on top and win a championship. Welcome back to Westbrook Podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Jackson. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Russell Westbrook gets a chip, at Always and Forever Art, and on YouTube at J-Rock Soccer and Basketball Sessions. Let's get it. fan Jacob Holland then we have Tom the Lakers exceptionist he knows the Lakers in and out so we're going to get it from his side as well Tom Jake how you guys doing today man doing good hope you're yeah. feeling good yourself I'm doing well thank you so first off let's just get into it this may not take long Mark Gasol traded uh to me it, it just looked like a money saving thing I think I saved about 10 million dollars off the tax but you know, people are discussing, do we think this means there's someone else uh, that's going to be a rotation player coming for the Los Angeles Lakers? With this kid being a hometown kid, from what I've Mm -hmm. been reading, and he's been promoting himself that direction, I can see that happening. Or Isaiah Thomas. Other than that, maybe they got a two-way contract guy they like that they want to call up or move up, like Austin Reeves or Mac McClung. But other than that, I'm un- informed yeah i'm looking for i'm looking for james ennis everything i've heard um he commented under one of our guys instagram can't remember who but i think he's keen and we need wing depth more than anything else so all right so tom how do you feel about say i i see west matthews and i see garrison matthews and i see which i think those guys have already signed i, I don't I, I can't recall if he's already signed with someone else but and then there's the james ennis like you had Watching Wes Matthews last season, who would you rather have, Enos or Matthews? I don't know anything about Enos. I just I've just seen that he's a pretty good wing defender. Yeah. Um, and he's more of a position of need because he can guard bigger, I think, than Wes can. Yes. yes. Um. Yes. So, I'd probably prefer him than the Wes Matthews we got last year, but I don't know him that well, so probably yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think the consensus for most people over the last few weeks is James Enos is that last kid. So um, I'm hoping it goes that route. Uh, just like we knew it was inevitable that the Marcus Hall and the Lakers would part ways. So one of those things that's a foregone conclusion, but we're just waiting for it to happen. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you guys here. Uh, let's talk about you know is Russell Westbrook a top six point guard ever so there's a big discussion over the last couple of days in regards you know to tw- the twitter verse is russell westbrook a top six point guard or does he need to win a championship with the los angeles lakers to become a top six point guard so i guess i'm also asking should championship change the greatness of a player that much i uh, i disagree that it should I think championships are weighed a little too heavily at times. To me, they're kind of more of a tiebreaker type thing. Right. Like if you want to argue Kobe and Mike Jordan, for instance, very similar numbers. Jordan clearly a step above percentage-wise, efficiency, points, overall, defensive stats, more blocks. I think he's got the most blocks of any guard. But Kobe's right there with him. And those championships going 6-0, and that's really the difference. But as far as with the point guards, 
it gets confusing with the amount of combo guards we have now because some people like to consider Steph a point, some people don't. Yeah. Stuff like that. I would still say Westbrook's in my top five, and I think it's very hard to leave him out of it. Because I mean, who do you go? You got Magic, Isaiah Thomas, Stockton, Steph, Westbrook. I mean, do you really want to put Oscar Robertson ahead of him when he's done what Oscar Roberts has in the modern era? For me, he clearly makes that top five. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. I am one of those people. I'm a stickler. Maybe it's the coaching me. I'm a stickler on like, do you fit the definition of the position? So I am one of those people that say Steph Curry plays point guard because of his size. He's not really a point guard. Um, I agree. However, I think Steph Curry is more of a point guard than Damian Lillard. I've I've seen Steph Steph play point guard. It's not that he can't. I'm not Dame. If I had to rank them, Russell Westbrook is one as far as being a point guard over the last four or five seasons, then Steph Curry, then Damian Lillard. But I, I am one of those people. I don't think that Steph Curry is really a point guard. But he plays it just like Kyrie. They play because they're short. Well, I guess now James Harden's technically the point guard there. But usually they play that position because they're short. Um, I, I, I do think that he's top six regardless of whether he wins a championship or not, um, just statistically as far as playing the position. Um but there are some people who say, and there are even Westbrook fans who say he's got to win. Um, what do you think, Tom? Um, I think for all-time rankings, it would help him a lot if he could win a, win a ring. Um, top six, I, I came up with five, um, the five you mentioned, and I did include Oscar. And then I couldn't think of anyone else. So, And then I, I was thinking, um, who was I thinking? If CP3, you guys probably wouldn't have him that high. Um but yeah, that's just about it. So he's a top six, probably. Yeah, okay. but six. Okay. I definitely agree. Um, when you get into the combo, because like, if you get into the like, if they're really a point guard, then you got to talk about LeBron because he is yep. a point. He doesn't play that, but he is a point guard by definition. So it's one of those things that's it's tough. Um, then you start you start dividing point guards into all these categories, like point point forward point guard and point guard and combo guard and i'm like let's just go with the definition of point guard and to me he's he's definitely top six so uh but we'll move on from just russell westbrook there let's get into the offense of the los angeles lakers i for one i'm not worried about the offense of the los angeles lakers at all i think they're going to be absolutely tremendous in the open court in the regular season Look, I understand it's the floor is going to shrink. You're going to get less of that in the playoffs, but the regular season is going to be so fun. My vote live from LeBron to Russell Westbrook is going to be his first dunk of, as a Los Angeles Lakers early. Um, I'm not worried about the transition at all. Um, the half court, I'm not nearly as worried as most people. I do believe that he's going to. They're they're both look. These are brilliant basketball players. You don't average a triple double and have assist games of over twenty assists, and you just have no IQ. I know that's the big thing said about yeah, it's just dump offs. <laughs> yeah, it's just dump offs. Yeah, um, that, that's what they say. And look, I'm a Russell Westbrook fan, but obviously the highest IQ basketball player in the NBA is one LeBron James. You've got two of the top 1% playmakers on one team with great basketball IQ. LeBron's going to figure it out with Russell Westbrook. I'm not worried. How yeah. do you guys feel about that? I think they damn near have three of the best playmakers in the league when you include Rondo. That's true. Especially if you want to talk about high IQ basketball players. Like, there's To me, I have no worries that those three guys are going to be able to maximize all the talent that they have. And 
when you factor in LeBron and Westbrook's leadership and their ability to motivate people, specifically Westbrook, mostly, the way he just attacks the game, that Mamba mentality that he's going to bring back to the Lakers. And you just you can imagine him in the open floor when you got guys like DeAndre Jordan, Dwight, and AD to run with him and paired with shooters like Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, possibly James Ennis if they do right. want to make that move. Like I don't see any way how it doesn't work, when especially when you have those three high IQ basketball players there to maximize the talent around them. I definitely agree. Yeah, I do too. I love the offense, and I think it'll be fine. Obviously, the shooting isn't going to be our strong point, but we're going to make up for it in so many other areas that it's not going to matter that much. I definitely agree with that. And talking about the shooting, I, I feel like if we get decent shooting from the people we hope we are going to get it from, uh, you know, Wayne Ellington, Baysmore, Nunn, all those people, I think they'll be okay. Um, what's what's LeBron's, what does he shoot, 35% for his career? Is, is, is that right? I might have to look that up, uh, which isn't something around there. Something but... around there. So it's not like he can't shoot at all. I know people like to say if you don't shoot 40% from three, you can't shoot. <laughs> but uh, I definitely think we'll make up for it. Uh, and I think we're going to surprise people. I think we're going to make for, for it on the defensive end. I don't think they'll be number one in defense. Tom, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, as far as defensive rating, the Lakers were – they were one last year, correct? Yeah, they were one, and they were even one um, in the stretch without LeBron or AD. So the defense was definitely the strong point. Okay. Um, and I think they're going to make up for it on defense end as well. I think they'll be top 10 in defense. I don't think they'll be one. Obviously, you lost – like Caruso, to me, is the one I was like, shoot, that's the one I want to keep. Um, mm. But I, I do think that LeBron James will turn it up defensively. I do think that Russell Westbrook's going to turn it up defensively because neither one of them have to do everything all the time. I mean, that helps when you don't have to do everything on offense all the doggone time. So, um and I think that uh, if we get people like Enos and stuff like that, uh, that's going to help on the defensive end as well. The, what I'm worried about, I'll put it out there right here, right now. I was looking at the lineups over like the last like week and saying, okay, when the rotations start, though, when LeBron comes off and it's Rus Russell Westbrook and then like Carmelo, then I'm a little bit worried. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that. It's, it's once the rotations start is, uh, is when I get a little bit worried. I mean, the defense really does make me a little bit nervous, too. I mean, my vested interest is more in the Thunder, but as far as thinking about the Lakers, their defense, it really could be up and down. But once you get towards the end of the season, the amount of competitors they have and people with playoff pedigree and championship experience, you just know they're going to be able to kick it in in the times when they need to. And that's something you'll be able to pay attention to. Just watch, like, the fourth quarters of games. I guarantee you when they get – they're down, they need a 10, 15-point swing, right. you'll see them be able to just turn up that defense. Like a guy like Anthony Davis and LeBron, both of them could easily have defensive player of the years under their belt. I and agree. then Westbrook's a competitor that can guard multiple positions. He can bang in a switch due to his strength. You don't really – not ideal. You don't want him on Embiid more than you need him to. No. But right. he's better than probably every other point guard in the league, not named Ben Simmons, mm -hmm. at guarding big positions. So big position. So I think the defense, they'll be able to figure it out, but it will come down to more of that competitive streak than actual talent once you get to the bench, like you're talking about Carmelo Anthony. All these guys can play defense when they want to. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and I definitely think that Frank Vogel 
a defensive coach is also going to be good for Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. Um, who who can? He can guard one through five. We've seen him do. We've seen him guard Giannis, James Harden, Steph Curry. Look, those guys are elite. No one can stop him. But when it's counted most, we've seen Russell Westbrook guard all three of those people and then some. So uh, a switching scheme is definitely important because, you know, uh, Jared, welcome in. Because Jared and Tom, Westbrook fans, we'll be honest with you, at least the ones on this podcast, yeah. We don't want Russell. We don't want Russell Westbrook fighting over a screen either. Doesn't need to happen ever. He don't want to do that. But if you switch, you get a good Russell Westbrook on defense. Yes. So uh, what do you got? Uh, so Tom, you know, Jer- Lakers, Laker fans, what are you guys worried about defensively? Defensively, it's tough because if you look back at the 2020 title run for the Lakers, so much of that was their defense. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we were starting Avery Bradley for the regular season. He didn't even go to the bubble. You know, players that provide defense more so than offense. And LeBron kind of handled the entire offensive load, which is so nice, too, to get Russ just to take a little bit of that pressure off LeBron. Agreed. Um, Now, I would say, like, last year with the Marcus Gasol signing, he kind of – brought our defense down a little bit. Now, he's a good positional defender, but he lacks the room protection and athleticism of, like, JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. Right. It, it's going to be tough. It's All of these guys are capable. I mean, Russ has, I guess, because I will say as a Laker, I'm not a Russ fan. I know he has a reputation for maybe not being the best defender, but it's not like it's a Trey Young scenario where he's, six foot in in trail you know he's he's strong he's quick he's athletic i think he had to exert so much effort on the offensive end for the thunder because you you don't average triple doubles without basically doing everything for your team so he's putting that much effort in on offense you kind of don't put as much effort in on the defensive side but now with lebron and ad taking like pressure off him offensively when we need a stop, I, I just I know Russ's competitive nature. I know he's gonna lock down when he needs to. And I will prepare you guys for LeBron as well. He doesn't go all out defensively at all times. Even Anthony Davis doesn't. You know, they know it's a long season, they know what the goal is. They're not gonna be going all out every single possession in the regular season. Right. Right. So that's that's part of it too. But everyone on this Lakers roster, even Dwight Howard, who is older now, but he still has his IQ that he had when he won three defensive player of the year. He knows where to be. Yes, he knows sir. what to do. You know, he, he catches a lot of flack, and our roster does for being old, but when you look at I, – I saw yesterday, like, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo, and LeBron James all have assist titles. Yes. Which are the only three – teammates ever to have assist titles and you look at their experience and their IQ offensively and defensively I, I don't know I wonder what you guys think I mean I have a lot of confidence in this group I, I do defensively and offensively it will be interesting to see I don't know if you guys discussed it I'm not sure if Dwight is going to get the start and I, I'm not sure if DeAndre Jordan is uh, but really, when it comes down to it, you guys are right that in winning time, it'll be AD at the five playing the switching defense that Man. the Warriors made so popular with Draymond Green. 
Right. Well, yeah, we'll get into that after we talk about the defense, because uh, I actually think that's a good thing for us to get into that starting lineup and rotations and stuff. So we'll do that. Uh, first, we'll let we'll let Tom go about what he he feels. The other Laker fan on the podcast, two Westbrook fans, two Lakers fans coming together. Stop the Twitter feud. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, but one good point before Tom, you go. One good point I think you made is is something that I know I've seen Jacob say, and I know I have said too. Is look, this this is a veteran roster. They don't really care about being the number one seed. I think they care about having home court advantage. But I don't. No, they're gonna they're gonna punt some games by sitting the star players and like hopefully we win them. But you know they're they're not worried about being the one seed um, like some of the younger teams would be. I think that's a great point to bring up. Uh, go ahead, Tom. So how are you feeling about the defense? I think it'll be fine. I don't think it's going to be a particularly strong point, and it will be a really interesting test of Frank Vogel because he's obviously been touted as one of the best defensive coaches in the league, but he's had a stacked defensive roster in those years. So it'll be interesting to see if we can sneak into that top 10 or maybe even top five. Um, but I do, I think with our defense, we've got high defensive upside young guys as well that maybe aren't rated as the best defenders right now. But I can easily see THT turning into a very positive defender. Um, as well as none is has good defensive principles at the one. So like I think the young guys who are going to be putting the most effort in in the regular season might be able to carry a bit of a load defensively and let LeBron take those possessions off because otherwise he would probably need to step it up on defense a lot this year, which is not really what we want him to be doing. Okay. You yeah. can rest every possession for all I care. Don't get injured. <laughs> I, I, I hear you on that. Injury prone. Uh, no, I, I definitely agree with all that. I so 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 Tom, just to elaborate, and I'm sure Jacob's gonna help me here. Russell Westbrook is he's touted as a terrible star defender. You know, he's just, and I look. I've made the excuse for him in the past as well, and I think it's valid. He, if he have to do same with LeBron, if he have to do everything on offense. You're going to take off defensive plays. It's just naturally what you're going to do. Um, hey, there are great elite defenders that spend an entire game trying to guard James Harden or run around trying to guard Steph Curry, and they park in a corner and they rest on offense. Um, it's just, you know, it's kind of the way it goes. Uh, I will say he's not as bad as people think. Russell Westbrook was a top 10 defensive player of the year. Um, he came into the league as a defensive player. That's his whole point of being in the NBA. He could play defense. And one-on-one in space, he's a very good at the point of attack defender. Extremely good. His issue is when a 6'11 screen comes, he's done. That's it. Unless you're switching, you're not fighting over that. Um, That's what his issue is. Other than that, on ball, good defender. Out in space, good defender. At the point of attack, good defender. Even in the post, um, he can guard one through five. I would see ideally try keeping one through four. That would be ideal. He he can get off a possession here or two at the five or guarding the five, but you know he's so strong, six three. I don't even think he's six three. I think he's like six five. That's just me. Um, he's he's a lot better defender with, than what you think. Now his other thing is he will gamble. Historically, yeah. I think I tweeted it the other day. I think like there's only two seasons where he's like not top ten in steals, which steals help your defense, but it's not a in, good indicator of. Being a good defender, which is the art of keeping your defender in front of you and, and, and away from the basket. Uh, now, he will gamble. I think some of his gambles are better than others. 
his blind spot gambles when the ch his chances of success are 90 percent i'd like those i did a whole video on particularly those kind of steals now when he's gambling and it's like that is like a 30 percent chance you're going to get that and now you're this guy standing wide open in the corner i hate those as well um so th that's the story and those are the, the 10 second clips that me and jacob talk about that everyone puts on twitter and then it gets two million views and it's like that was one yep. play where he tried it was a bad gamble but that did you watch the entire game his defense was pretty good for the entire game um that's that's the knock on russell westbrook yeah and in just in general you touched on it even guys like Kawhi leonard like there are times where they make a lapse in focus type defensive error like yeah. they get caught ball watching somebody yeah. back cuts or a guy flares to the corner and they can't quite get there in time but dealing with like great defenders and then great athletes like russell westbrook like he also has this recovery speed even yes. when he's beat he's never truly beaten if he can't if he can't get the block or a steal or get back in front of him he's going to at least get a contest and then if you have good help defense which i expect the lakers will like just to touch on the defense i think they should for sure be in the top 10 of defense like i don't really think me that's too. a stretch me too because i mean even a guy like Malik Monk, Malik Monk is an elite athlete. Yes. His defense has not really been his calling card, but it's something that he can definitely add to his game and develop as the season goes along because in this, for this team and this roster, he'll be asked to defend more. He'll be asked to chase guys like Bradley Beals and Clay Thompson's around. Mm -hmm. So that's something he'll get better at. But it is like going back to the Spurs, like growing up and watching the Lakers and Spurs era, the Thunder and Spurs era, Right. It's about help defense. Like, even after the Spurs lost Bruce Bowen, you can't really say they had an elite, like, single defender in their starting lineup. But, but they had elite team defense and high IQ and everybody's exactly where they need to be. That's going to be the most important part, and that's a good sign with, like, Frank Vogel being one of the best defensive minds. And then just a side note, he was quoted this last week talking about how excited he was. He's like, I'm just excited I don't have to play against Russell Westbrook no more. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, Russell Westbrook, he does make the gambles. You're 100% right there. Yeah. But he's going to do that. Yeah. He's also going to be right there, and when he messes up, he's the first one to be on his own ass. Yep. Like, you can see it even in games. You can see in his body language. He, take, he is harder on himself than any of these media guys. Like, if you want to make these minute-long highlight reels of him as a bad defender – you could do that for Kawhi. You could do that for Tony Allen. You could do it for Bruce Bowen. Like, everyone has these lapses of focus. They're taking a playoff here and there, especially when you've been asked to carry the load like Westbrook was this last year with the Wizards. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that's why I think that him and LeBron, are, they're going to be better this year because they, they just don't have to do everything. Uh, they, they get to share that responsibility along with Rondo, like you astutely pointed out. And not just brain laps. Like, three of the best playmakers ever in the nba on the same team yeah in my lifetime that's top three probably yeah yeah yes um and so they get to just share the ball so i think they'll all be better on defense now for me uh i think that anthony davis needs to start at the five in order for the defense to be optimal i don't know how you guys feel about that i would agree with that okay let me uh, say real quick to jacob point um with the lakers team defense like obviously last year for the lakers didn't go like great they fell into the playing game but yeah. even when lebron and ad went out one thing that didn't fall off was the defense 
Frank Vogel kept the Lakers as a top 10 defense, even with plug and playing guys. I think that's just the type of defensive coach he is. Yeah. You give him someone like Westbrook, someone like him with LeBron and AD, Dwight Howard. And I think the Lakers did make a mistake by not retaining Dwight Howard as well. Yes. They, they went the Marcus and Andre Drummond route, where it would have been better and even chemistry wise. Because Dwight, he just knows where to be and does the little things, you know. And yes. Look at Russ. It, it, the best big man Russ has played with now defensively is probably Serge or Steven Adams. Yeah. Where you're giving him Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, all these people that are, you know. And I know Russ, with his energy levels, is, is going to, when it's time, he will bring that defensive energy in that lockdown, and all the Lakers do it. If you watch the 2020 title on there's times where it's just swarming defense, and it doesn't matter who it is. If Frank Vogel can get Kyle Kuzma to play serviceable defense, yes, and yeah, Kuzma's scoring fell off a cliff, and he focused more on doing the little things and playing defense, but if you can make lemonade out of Lemons with Kuzma, then I mean, you give him a guy like Westbrook. I, I don't have a concern about that. Yeah, you can you can go back to Vogel with Roy Hibbert as well. He had Roy Hibbert as a perennial Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and then as soon as Roy Hibbert was off the Vogel coach Pacers, that's true. He fell off the mat. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, um, I, think the, I think another asset for our defense in terms of Ross um, is how much of a, a mistake eraser Anthony Davis is. Like a lot of the things you're describing, like not getting over screens and gambling and stuff, that's the, that's the thing that makes AD incredibly defensively good. Like he just he erases so many of those little mistakes that the guards make. So I think it, it with Ross, the type of mistakes Ross makes, they're not going to be as bad or as glaring as they have been on other teams with weaker interior defense. Yeah, yeah. and as Jared as Jared was saying as well, when you have Dwight and DeAndre Jordan, you can say the same thing you just said about them as far as being a mistake eraser on defense yeah, to true. a lesser degree at this point in their careers than AD, but they're still that same type of player on defense. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with, with all of that um, because he is going to get – that's something he's going to do. Look, it's great at, at certain points of the game when it's a momentum raiser and he – you know, the Russell Westbrook tomahawk gets the crowd going crazy. And, and then there's times where I'm just like, Russ, just, just stop, man. <laughs> so, um, I, oh, I, I did – I know we we're on the defensive end, but I, I forgot to mention on the offensive end turnovers uh i know there are some lakers fans worried about russell westbrook turnovers um look something i always say when russell westbrook gets on a new team to all the fans is russell westbrook is elite and he's going to try things no one else is going to try because that's what russell westbrook does so yes he's going to turn the ball over and there are some times when spinning and throwing a ball about behind his head to stephen adams for a dunk works and then there's going to be times when you're going to see me say, Russ, stop turning the damn ball over. That's like yeah. that's going to happen. But I think it's going to happen less once again because you have you have Rondo and LeBron James. He's not going to have the ball for 40% of the time anymore. It's just not going to happen because he's got so many people who can handle the basketball. And you really think about it, I keep talking about those guys, but none can put the ball on the floor. At least people can put the ball on the floor themselves. They can attack the closeouts. Um, and I did want to mention the three-point shooting. 
I know everyone's like, he should shoot zero threes. I absolutely don't like that take because I don't think you can be a point guard and shoot zero. I just, yeah. I just don't think that works. Um, but I know he goes he, in the past. He's went into shooting six, seven, eight threes in the game, you know, here and there. I don't think he'll do that. Why? Because I've seen him in, in Houston. When they shot 53s a game after he got acclimated, and he went to Dan Tony himself and said, look, shooting these threes just isn't my game. Let me go to the basket and spread out. That was before they traded Capella, because I know people like to say it's after they traded Capella. Um, he just started going to the basket. He doesn't have if He does it out of necessity. He doesn't have to. He won't. If Wayne Ellington them are just popping off and shooting threes at a 38 to 40% clip, you'll see Russ take two, maybe three. That's it. Yeah. Just to make them respect it. Just. Yeah, yeah you can't. I, I do, real quick, I do believe Russ got a career high at the rim uh, on the Rockets. Yes. And a lot of that was because the spacing that that system provided was enough. I mean, he's so fast. Not one person, like a single defender isn't stopping them from getting to the rim on their own. And when you have to be glued to shooters like in that system, it just makes it a lot easier for him. So, And, and I think much will be the case. Like LeBron and AD are going to garner a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Russ being a superstar and a former MVP being the third person you have to worry about, you know, like that could just completely open up his game but i completely agree with you that you have to be able to at least attempt the threes because you need the defense to respect you right you you at least have them like the spacing has to matter it can't be a ben simmons scenario where they're just six feet behind the line i i would imagine that um you guys as russ fans would probably know more than me but i would imagine he's had some seasons where you know he wasn't that bad from three it's not like Oh, it's yeah. not like a Ben Simmons situation, no. you know? He's yeah, just, not at all. And you'll never have to worry about Westbrook's confidence. Like, if, <laughs> if they're leaving him open, even if he is 0 for 3, 0 for 4, if there's not an immediate <laughs> swing pass to be made, he's going to pull it just yeah. to make you respect it. Or he's going to drive right at you, even though you gave him two feet of space or, like, six feet of space. Like, these people will play off of him sometimes, and he still will get in their chest and get by him. Get by him anyway. Pass, make the dump off, force help. Like, it's really – he's had seasons shooting above, like, 35%. But since Steph Curry changed basketball nowadays, like, 35% when I was growing up was average three-point yeah. shooter. Now it's bottom of the league. Yeah. So, as long as he's hitting open shots, as long as he's not taking over three to four a game, because he's very mercurial microwave type. Like, there's some games, like I remember for OKC, where he'd hit 10 threes. There's some games he'd had seven threes. Like, sometimes he does get hot. And when he gets hot, it's really unstoppable. It's very similar to when LeBron gets hot because you can't keep him from getting to the rim. And now they're making these jump shots, and you got to come out there making it easier for them to get to the rim. It's just a nightmare scenario when he does get hot. But, yeah, you never have to worry about him being like a Ben Simmons-type situation, even with the free throws. Even when his free throw percentages have slipped, he's still 80-plus percent in the clutch. That's true, too. And he tends to shoot better. Here's the thing. He's been injured. So we all know about the whole he can't walk back to the half-court line anymore because they changed the rules for, you know, the length of the game. So he can't walk all the way back to half-court, So which is what was his routine was since junior high. So he yeah. shoot his first three throw, walk all the way back to half-court, come back, take a breath. 
they stopped that was that five years ago when he started with his free throw struggles and then it messed yep. up his whole routine and we've watched him change his routine at least four times trying to figure out something else and when he gets into a comfortable one he shoots better like the last what two months of the season from the free throw line he'll shoot back to his like normal 80 percent I'm hoping that I think last year he really found it with the Wizards. Like his, like it, he doesn't quite walk that far. He walks literally as far as he can go. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think he figured out his routine now. So I'm hoping that his free throw woes are finished now. Um, and, and, and you know, and having leg injuries that you know that yeah. always affects your shooting as well. Um, I've watched Russell Westbrook be unstoppable. I said since Russell Westbrook's maybe second year in the league, if this man can shoot 35% from three, he is unstoppable. Well, he shot that his MVP season, and literally no one can stop him. Um, so that that's all he has to be able to shoot. It's the same for, like, Giannis. Man, if Giannis can shoot 35% from three, like, what do you even do? Um, ben Simmons. Yeah. What do you do with those three players if they can shoot at least 35% from three? Uh, I think – He's got to take them. He has to take at least two or three a game. And I think Russ likes the right corner also. Um, I think if he takes two or three, he takes the right ones. I think he'll shoot close to 35% this year. I really do because I don't – it's the pull-up threes. It's the pull-up threes that drive me nuts. Um, at the end of the buzzard, I'm fine with them. Like some people like to clip those too. Why did Russell Westbrook shoot this three? Like, dude, there's three seconds left. That's why he shot it. Uh but the pull-up threes early in the shot clock are the ones I don't really like. Um, now, he is notorious, though, for shooting the three at the end of the quarter. He just he just does. And the two-for-ones, he just does. He's going to do that every time um, if he has the ball in his hands. But if he shoots the right ones, I think he'll shoot 34 35%. And that's really all you need from Russell Westbrook. He's going to go to the basket, like, nonstop. And as the third option, I just don't think you know how – I just don't know how you stop Russell Westbrook as a third option. I just – in my head, you're so worried about LeBron and AD. Russell Westbrook definitely can attack a closeout. Like, I just don't even know what do you do with a guy running at you at 21.6 miles an hour who can jump out the gym. I mean, good luck. <laughs> I was trying to stop yep. that. Um, as soon as you help, he's going to find the open man. He's going to find – I think there's going to be a lot of lobs off of those uh, yeah. attacks. Um, so when LeBron James and Russ, or and Anthony Davis pass out of a double team or something like that and Russell Westbrook's attacking, people think when Russell Westbrook attacks, he has tunnel vision. No. His eyes are up. They're looking. And he's there's a lot of people going to catch a lot of lobs and a lot of three-point shooters are going to be standing wide open because um, he's always looking to pass. He's more of a pass-first point guard in the last five years than I've seen maybe outside of – Chris Paul and Rubio, and that's just because Rubio can't yeah. shoot. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's always looking to pass. So I, I, I definitely uh, he has to shoot him. He has to shoot two or three just to make him respect the shot. Yeah. Um, anything else? Any before we move on to lineups? Well, just want to say ever ever yeah, since that cool. year we got Melo and Paul George, he. D- took a back seat and he became a hundred percent a pass first player yeah. and it's shown every season since then yep uh i just wanted to say like Schroeder and Russ, uh Schroeder and anthony davis chemistry was just never there they connected on one alley-oop all season last year oh. and even with ad and limited time one alley-oop for the entire season and yeah Russ and AD connected more than that in their all-star game together <laughs> 
And then the second thing I was going to say real quick about AD starting at the five, it's interesting because in 2020, the Lakers started JaVale McGee at the five and then brought in Dwight as the backup to really limit Anthony's minutes at the five. But in playoff time, when it was winning time, AD was the five when we needed him to be. So it's, I think it's kind of like, it's interesting. It's a balance between showing your hand, giving teams a bunch of film of AD at the five, letting teams get used to AD at the five to scheme against versus kind of preserving them and saving it as like a wild card when we know it's so effective. But that's the only reason I can see that maybe it might still be the traditional maybe Dwight or DeAndre stars, okay. and then one of them comes in as a backup, but come playoff time, you'll see a lot of AD at the five. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I think with the AD at the five thing, it becomes even more necessary. It doesn't really matter who starts, but for the finish of the games, it'll have to be AD at the five because you can't really have – you can't have – in terms of free throws, this is you can't have LeBron, Russ, AD, who's – good but was bad last season and then Dwight or DJ all on the court at the same time for free throws. You just can't have that because what you got then one good free throw shooter, you'll get foul baited the whole time and it won't work. So that's something that has to be addressed at the end of games. That's a good point. Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. It's especially the person Brooklyn who all shoot like ninety percent from the three free throw line. <laughs> so yeah that, that that definitely is a good point. All right, guys, so let's move on. Let's talk about the lineup for the Los Angeles Lakers. So what I know we talked a little bit, more, a little bit about Anthony Davis and starting at the five and came to the conclusion it just makes the most sense to make sure he plays the most minutes at the five, not necessarily that we won't start in a traditional sense. But as far as the rest of the lineup, we're assuming it's Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. What's the ideal starting lineup around those three players? Taking into account Russell Westbrook shooting, LeBron James' shooting, the defense, who are we thinking uh, should definitely be the other two in that starting lineup? I would take I would take Malik Monk and Dwight Howard to fill out that starting lineup if it was me because I do agree that Anthony Davis should probably finish games at the five with his spacing and his defense. And, I mean, just ideally, I would want to start AD at the five, but when you have the bodies of Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, like for nights you're going up up against a Jokic and Aiton or a Joel Embiid, like those guys are plenty capable of playing serviceable defense on those guys without wasting away Anthony Davis for 82 games for bad matchups, making him bang with these, a brute like Joel Embiid. And then Malik Monk, as far as his spacing, and he's a secondary creator as well. He's got a good handle, very good athlete. He should be able to play in space and play fast break along with Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. Like, they really have a lot of flexibility with their lineup because, I mean, you could easily throw out Monk and put in none or even a Wayne Ellington at the two. But for me, I would take Monk and Dwight Howard. Okay. No, I like that. Yeah. My guess is that it's going to be Dwight and that's what I think they will do. But I think what I want is AD at the five and then I would have Ariza and Monk 
but that's my that's I don't think that'll happen. So you're 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 leaning that the defensive wings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Okay. What about you, Jared? Exactly what you're saying. There's three starters that are written down in ink that every night AD, Russ, and LeBron are going to be starting. Now, I, me personally, I'm hoping that Malik Monk gets the start because he can shoot, he's young, and he's athletic. And giving some of those young legs into the starting lineup may be over Ellington, but I do think it'll kind of be fluid. I don't think Frank will like pencil in a shooting guard, maybe. Monk has a bad month, so he shipped Ellington in there. Maybe he tries Chris Dunn. The shooting guard and center position are a little bit harder to determine, but I am hoping for Malik Monk at the two. That's what I'm hoping for. But I, you're right. I could easily see it being Wayne Ellington. You know, cause you kind of know more what you're getting out of him. Malik Monk maybe has more of an upside, but Wayne, you know you're getting the shooting, which maybe that's all you need with the starters. Maybe it is better to have Malik off of them. Yeah, and an edge to Ellington as well is the catch-and-shoot. He seems like he's been more of a catch-and-shoot guy throughout his career as opposed to Monk being kind of an on-the-ball combo guard type scorer. So he might be a better fit, actually. Yeah, I've I've been torn. I've gone through stretches. I mean, I'll go through like a week where I say, okay, I want it to be Wayne Ellington and like in a reason. Okay. And but then I go through where I'm like, well, it's probably gonna be a Reza and a traditional five. Um my issue with I feel like I'm leaning towards Malink Monk. Um look, I know he isn't He's not Wayne Ellington shooting, but he can't not shoot. Um, and he could put the ball on the floor, attack a closeout. Uh, he's athletic, so I feel like you, he can be a good defender, you know, on a team that says, look, we're making this a priority. Frank Vogel saying, look, we're making this a priority. We're playing defense. Um, but then I just think about Wayne Ellington shooting. I'm like, uh, I, I think a reason why I want Wayne Ellington to come off the bench and allow Malik Monk to start is – when one of the stars comes off the bench, I hate to say this, there's only one ball. So when one of the stars goes to the bench, you come off of Wayne Ellington, Russell Westbrook's floor is still spread. You know what I'm saying? You still have the space. He's going to be elite in a lineup with shooters around him. So if, let's say, you bring in Carmelo Anthony and you bring in Wayne Ellington, you got Russell Westbrook out there with Anthony Davis, his, his floor is still spread. You're not hurting yourself. If you start all of your shooters... Someone has to sit and come on the floor with Russell Westbrook. So that that's kind of where I lean that to where Malik Monk is serviceable in a starting lineup with the three stars together. And when you start to rotate those pieces, you want Russell Westbrook to have as much shooting around him as possible if you want him to be as close to Houston Rockets Russell Westbrook. Like that's just that's why I keep, I keep flopping back and forth. And that's my, my issue with Ariza is people think of Ariza as three and D, but he really hasn't really shot well for the last few years. So it's kind of like he's a defensive player. Um, but I go through that stretch, Tom, where I'm like, ah, I just feel like we need the defense out there. Um, my issue with Ellington specifically starting is I want him to play with Russell Westbrook as much as possible um, when one of the stars is off. Because Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to create offense with Russell Westbrook naturally because they're going to 
they're going to get double teams. So I'm not worried about Russ on the floor with both of them. I'm worried about Russ on the floor with one of them. And I think Wayne Ellington makes it easier. I will say uh, real quick, like you said about, like I do think Malik Monk offers more in terms of exactly what you're saying. He might drive to the rim and go for a crazy coaster. Right. But he, to me, is a little – last year was the best shooting career of his career – or best shooting year of his career three-point-wise. Yes. But he seems a little bit streaky. And maybe having Wayne Ellington where you kind of know what you're getting, and maybe, like, is Malik Monk a better playmaker than Wayne Ellington? He probably is. But when you have Russ and AD, any more playmaking out there, maybe just having that shooter post it up. Is better. Maybe Malik Monk would try to do a little too much, I guess. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. I mean, I'm still leaning towards him, but I can see Frank just going for that veteran Wayne Ellington who has that gravity where you have to stay glued him on the perimeter, and you kind of know he's not going to do anything too. Fair. You know, yeah. he, he has a high IQ as well. I'm not saying Malik Monk doesn't, but he's a little bit younger too. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Cause, and he did, Malik Monk, he shot – his career high threes at five per game, and he did shoot 40% last season. But that's the thing. Is that an outlier? Because he shoots, what is it, 33% for his career, I think, or 34. So I was like, is that an outlier? But it, I kind of think it's not because he did shoot five a game, which is the most in his short career, and he did shoot at 40%. So I guess that's why that's a good point that, like, maybe he'll get the ball and try to do way more than he has to being young. But it's kind of like, yeah. So, so maybe he could provide the same thing for Russell Westbrook off the bench if you start Wayne Ellington. I just know when other teams see Wayne Ellington, they're hugging him. No one's leaving. Like, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, but those are all good points. Um, I just – so if Anthony Davis doesn't start at the five, we're assuming Dwight Howard is starting at the five. See, I that's – I do want to say Dwight for sure, but I saw DeAndre's comments recently uh, in his interview press conference for the Lakers where he said, I didn't go to Brooklyn to be Jared Allen's backup. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Like, maybe there's a wink and a nod. Hey, you'll get the start. And because Dwight, like, JaVale was the starter in 2020, and Dwight came in off the bench. And that wasn't necessarily Frank saying, oh, JaVale's a better player, but maybe we needed a little more punch on the bench. You know, maybe he does start DeAndre and allow Dwight to keep grinding on the bench. That one's, with those two, you're kind of splitting hairs. You know, it's kind of hard to, they both kind of offer similar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're redundant. Yeah. Yeah, they're both offering you that elite rim protection. Yeah. Lob, lob Lob threat. threat. Rim protection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's. You really can't go wrong. And you might be on to something there for sure because he's already had that conversa- that tough conversation with Dwight in that JaVale year where he's already shown that he's comfortable to play his role and come off the bench. And, I mean, you come out with Rondo, Nunn, maybe leave. You come out Rondo, Nunn, Carmelo, and DeAndre Jordan or Dwight, both of those are still pretty solid bench lineups. So who, who has more in the tank, Dwight Howard or Jordan? DeAndre Jordan. Who do you think? For, for me, it's – Go ahead. For me, it's Dwight because uh, we saw last year Dwight played very, very productive backup minutes after jo- uh, behind Joel Embiid, yeah. and Philly fans didn't want to let him go. They wanted to keep him because he's a great backup. 
And then you had DeAndre Jordan on the Nets who were crying out for a center that played defense and could catch lobs all year. And he was not even, he barely played. He got DMPs in the playoffs. Like, I think that just based off what we've seen last season and probably the season before that as well, like, I think Dwight's a better player. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I guess that's why if we go the traditional route, I'm just hoping. That's a great point, Jared. I'm just hoping that they start Dwight Howard. I think he has more to offer. It's, I just, look, I, Russell Westbrook can play with Steven Adams. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and badger Steven Adams. Like, I like Steven Adams, but he's, he's, he doesn't provide rim protection. I don't know why people think that. He actually doesn't really block any shots. <laughs> but he, can, he, he does uh, alter shots. Yeah, alter shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. He can't, uh, and he can't catch lobs. And I just, I think that Dwight Howard will be best. He has more in the tank to be what Russell Westbrook would need if you're going to have a traditional center. Um, again, I hope Anthony Davis starts at the five. That's just me. But I can understand Frank Vogel saying, mm, this is what we're going to do. Load management purposes because we're going to sit Anthony Davis. Then we're taking two and three people out of starting lineup because we're resting him. We start we start Dwight Howard. We're not really load managing him. Like I, like I, I can see that process going throughout the season. Because you're going to load manage Russ. You're going to load manage. I hope. I think they're going to load manage Russ. He did play once he was healthy. He played all the games um, last season. But you're going to load manage LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I can definitely see him taking that into account when he's when he's setting his starting lineup. And again, they're not trying to get the one seed. So um, I just think DeAndre has way more, or he has way less in the tank than Dwight Howard does. Which is funny because DeAndre Jordan's only 32 years old. Yeah. Only 32, but I think it goes back to how Dwight, Dwight at his peak is a way, way, way better player than DeAndre ever was, you know. Where yes. you see Dwight, especially after Dwight got a second shot with the Lakers, there aren't possessions where he's not trying, where he's not driving. And a lot of Brooklyn fans were happy to see DeAndre go because sometimes someone would be going right to the rim and there would just not even be an effort put in, you know? Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. But it, 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 it's sad that we all agree that Dwight has more left in the team <laughs> and he's so much older than DeAndre is. But I guess that goes to show how much. Yeah, I, I wouldn't close the book on DeAndre Jordan, though, because, I mean – who's really the vocal, fiery leader on the Brooklyn Nets who's going to call him out for those lapses and efforts and stuff. You're not going to be able to do that with LeBron and Westbrook, or you won't touch the floor. Like, if that becomes a recurring thing with him, I would guarantee you Vogel is going to have a tight relationship with Braun already and will develop that with Westbrook. And yeah, that's not going to fly. It really won't. Like, you'll see him getting into little spats. Yeah. During a timeout or something or on a dead ball. Yeah. Russ so. is definitely going to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the, and I don't want, I just don't want Lakers fans to think that this is a bad thing. I, I remember. No, it's leadership. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get, and, and he's going to get on himself. You'll see him in the whole say, that's, uh, that's on me. That's on me. Oh, yeah. You know, I got to play better. This is on me. I can't turn the ball over that much. You'll hear, hear, hear him say that stuff post game. He's not as bad with the media as people think. That's one dude. It's yeah, one he, dude in OKC, Barry Trammell. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's definitely going to do that. But that's a good thing. I'd rather – look, I'd rather people tell me the truth 
and we talk it out and argue it out and come to a conclusion than to just sit there and be quiet and just and maybe that maybe DeAndre is another Blake Griffin story. Maybe he just didn't really want to be there backing up someone. He's gonna come here and just dunk on everybody and turn into the Clippers. Again, <laughs> we don't know. Um but okay, so let's let's move on. So let's we're talking about the Nets here. So we're talking about DeAndre Jordan. Let's just fast forward. We hope that we get the just the well anticipated Lakers versus Nets. All the stars, all the storylines. We hope when we get that championship series, we are robbed if we don't. We are robbed if we do not. I agree with that. <laughs> who who do we think can pull out that series? How many games and why do you think that? Tom? Um, for me, I said it last week, and I, I'll say it again, the, the LaMarcus Aldridge signing t- changed my mind. I was behind the Lakers, and I still absolutely will be backing them the whole way. But if I, if I was putting money on it, I'd be probably back in Brooklyn. I think they're more likely. But I think it'll, be, I think it'll go to seven one way or the other, and I think if we get that series, it'll be a fantastic series. But if I was betting on it, I just think that with LaMarcus Aldridge, who's the only one on their team slightly capable of containing AD, probably gives them the slight edge. Fair. That's fair. Um, Close to the series either way. Yeah. Okay. I mean, personally, I'm going to take – I would take the Lakers just for the defensive side of the ball. Like, I just think once you have Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and DeAndre Jordan, any combination of those two – at the five is just going to be a nightmare to score on in the paint and help defense. And then Brooklyn can mitigate that because they're all great shooters, especially when you throw Joe Harrison with their big three. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a, set, a long series, six, seven games, no doubt. And I just pray we get to it with no injuries. I know. So sure. Okay. Tom. No, sorry. Tom went. Jared. Sorry. It's tough. All right. I want to lean Lakers because I think the Lakers style of play and what we saw in 2020 going into those playoffs, the Lakers were the fifth worst shooting team in the league three point wise. Uh, But they really play a a bully ball style of scoring in the paint in the playoffs. And with LeBron and AD, and you saw that all through that run, it's a little more reliable to score at the rim like LeBron, Russ, and AD do than to be primarily more like a three-point shooting team. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a chance the Nets could shoot poorly where for the Lakers, their three best players aren't really shooters. You know, they're, they're, they score in the paint a ton. So I do think that's a little more reliable, but I can't, I can't knock any Brooklyn fans that think, you know, having that big three that they do of Harden, KD, and Kyrie – you know, it, it's hard to I, – I can't it, – it's a close matchup. It is. I, I can't fault a Nets fan or a Laker fan for both thinking that their team would pull it out. I think we could all agree it would be a long series for sure. Yeah, I definitely think the series will go seven games. I, I did a lot of studying over the last week um, just watching the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and – Here's why I'm actually going to choose the Lakers. I got worried when they signed LaMarcus Aldridge as well. Uh, it bothered me. I think I tweeted out something saying, dang it, like I just don't know how we're gonna, how the Lakers are going to win this in a seven-game series. But I watched them, and here's what I noticed. One, I think the Lakers, Rob Palenka, uh, LeBron, sat down, and I think they literally tried to match up 
not offensively, defensively with the Brooklyn Nets. I think they went out and said, I know Russell Westbrook can guard James Harden, and he definitely bothers James Harden. Harden does not like it at all. Uh, I know LeBron James can guard Kevin Durant. I know that Anthony Davis can guard this. I think he literally went out and said, okay, that's fine. We'll match up with them defensively. Not everybody's going to score 40. It's just not going to happen. Because when I watch the Nets, they are extremely ISO heavy. ISO, 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 ISO. Russell Westbrook got blamed for that for so many years in OKC. And I always said, no, this is how Kevin Durant wants to play. ISO. This is what he does. Uh, Kyrie's the same way. James Hart's the same way. Now, you can't double them because it's three all, they're all 50-40-90 guys on the same team. So you can't double. So I think I think Polinka said, that's fine. We'll get the finish who can bother you. No one's going to stop you anyway. Um, and they're very, very ISO heavy. Like extremely. What it's going to come down to, Ariza, Baseball, Monk, all of them, someone has to chase Joe Harris. That yes. Someone has to chase him all over the court, all game long, because the focus of, the rest of the squad is those stars. Russ, you're on Harden. Don't let him breathe. Period. Yeah. That that <laughs> second help rotation, the second help rotation is also going to be key for him. Like yeah. once you get, <clears throat> once Dwight or DeAndre or AD, they're going to be so great in help defense that when Kyrie or James Harden or KD does get in the lane or get by their man, that's going to happen. But then, or they're going to get the help defense, and then somebody's got to be flying to the next pass. Right. It's going to be that effort that's going to be the difference for the Lakers and the Nets. Like with them being both so talented, that's going to be the difference is who's given that extra effort. Mm -hmm. And that's why I picked the Lakers based on that help defense because LeBron's going to get by and he's going to get in the lane. Who's going to be rotating to bother him? Who's And especially when they like playing KD in these small ball lineups at the four and sometimes even the five. Like KD's an underrated help defender, no doubt, even back to his time in OKC. But I think that's really going to be the difference is the help defense. Yeah, I would agree. That help defense and and I, again, I think the factor is James Harden. What is James? Is James Harden going to be a better creator playmaker than the combination of LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Rondo? And I just don't think, I don't think that he. Look, two of the best playmakers in the NBA are on the same three, like you said, they're on the same team. Kevin Durant isn't a creator. As great as he is, and now uh, when I say that, I doesn't I don't mean like he can't make a pass. Like I just mean he's not an he's not a creator for an offense. The one who it, neither is Kyrie. Like I said, he's not really a point guard. The one who can is James Harden, and he is elite. Uh, people, I know I he had to go on the unguardable tour, and he is definitely a creator playmaker. Will he be a better creator than playmaker than the combination of Rondo, Westbrook, and LeBron? And I just I don't think so. And Russell Westbrook bothers Harden. Harden can't guard Russell Westbrook. Like, that just, that just ain't going to happen. He can't. Not in space. Um, and so that's the way I think of it. Kyrie, I mean, if he's going to score 50, <laughs> like, that's, that's fine. I yeah, that's tough. Yeah. If he's going to score 50, four out of the seven games, okay. Um, but I think they match up well defensively out in space. I think that... You know, he's Marcus Aldridge. Look, he's going to turn over his right shoulder 50 times. If Anthony Davis can't stop that, I I just he does the same thing every time. 
It's been driving me along crazy for his entire career. I'm like, guys, he's just going to turn over his right shoulder and shoot the fadeaway every time. He's not going to do anything else. Um, so I think Anthony Davis will be fine. I think Russell will be fine on Harden. I think LeBron will be fine on Kevin Durant. They're going to get theirs. But this isn't going to be a 50-40-90 series for those three. It's just not. I don't think so. And that's why I give Lakers the edge in seven and close games. Yeah, it's like yep. you said, like the Nets will have to guard the Lakers too. Mm-hmm. And you look at like they I don't think the Nets will leave Kyrie on an island against Russ. No. You know. So in that scenario, maybe if the Lakers start Wayne Ellington, Kyrie's a little bit easier to hide because you just stick him on a shooter that he can try to stick. Sure. But it, it's gonna be tough matchup for Brooklyn too, like and Harden is actually an underrated post defender. I get that, but yes, he is. If you're asking him to guard LeBron, that's an extremely tough matchup because I would imagine. I guess we'll have to see, but I would imagine, like, who's going to guard AD? I guess Blake and KD maybe combined. I, it, yeah, it's going to be. It, it's weird. It's like you look at it from both ways, and both teams are like so stacked in a way that it just creates like matchup problems even against each other. Yeah, I I yeah. definitely agree. Um, and I I particularly do think, and this isn't just me being a Westbrook fan. I definitely do think that it's also important that Russell Westbrook is efficient in that particular series. And the reason why yeah. I say that is is like you said, you could pretty much match everybody else up and say, dang, when you look both ways. Ooh, but with Russ, James Harden cannot guard Russ out in an, on an island. And Kyrie cannot guard Russ posting up. Neither one of them. So he has to be efficient. When they put Harden on him, he has to blow by him, which he can. When they put Kyrie on him, go straight to the post and go to work because Kyrie can't guard him there either. He's got to be efficient to make the Nets say, well, shoot. Someone has to leave someone because we can't just leave Kyrie getting posted up by Russell Westbrook. So someone's got to go over there. What are you going to do, leave Wayne Ellington in the corner? Good luck. You know, I, he's the one. He like he has to. And I hate this. If he isn't efficient in that series, I know I'll defend him, but all the criticism will be fair. He has to be efficient in that series. Yes, I, I will tell you, Kobe. Kobe isn't an, an efficient scorer. I'm a Kobe fan at heart. He's what got me into the NBA when I was little. He's what made me a Lakers fan. And I wasn't a LeBron fan forever. I'll admit, I, I used to not like LeBron at all. Right there with you. <laughs> but the one thing LeBron has that is untouchable for Kobe is that efficiency. And I will just say, because you say about Russ's efficiency in the finals, but the Lakers, when they won game seven against Boston, Kobe shot terrible. He Ron kind of yeah. You don't think about it too much because the Lakers won. Yeah. So I, I think maybe – What's nice about Russ is when the shot's not falling, he impacts the game in so many other ways that he, maybe if he has a bad shooting series, it's, maybe it doesn't matter as much, you know. But but you're right. All the opportunities there for him to have, because usually he's the center of attention for defense. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're right. He will have the opportunity to be efficient. I just hope that even if he doesn't shoot that great, that he still gets the praise he deserves for right. all the other stuff he does. Yeah, there's there's Russell Westbrook games where he will shoot under 10 shots. Like, yep. when he realizes, like, the team's moving, the team's going. Like, there was a game with the Wizards last year where he went five for eight from the field but dominated the entire game. Dang. He had, like, 14 points, 17 assist, or 17 rebounds, and 21 yeah, assists. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, his game is going to impact the – He's going to impact the game no matter if the shot's falling or not. When the shot's falling, it's obviously a big plus. And 
if he can be efficient, that really will be a big-time X factor during that series. Yep. But I think part of that's going to be coaching and matching yeah. him up, playing him with the right things. Like, if you have to play him more minutes with the bench in that series and, you do, and play small ball, maybe THT at the four with Ariza, Mello, some combination of them at the two through four with a DeAndre Jordan for rim protection. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be all about coaching and matchups because – it's both two deep rosters with major star power. Yeah. It's, it's going to be beautiful. But, I mean, t- to take it away from analysis, if the basketball gods are fair, LeBron and Westbrook beat Kyrie, Harden, and KD. Or, because, I mean, just look at what they did to him. Like, what Kyrie did to LeBron. Yeah, I know. He's like, oh, I don't want to play behind LeBron no more. I'm going to – I want out. So then they get Isaiah Thomas off the hip injury. Cleveland loses LeBron a second time. Like, if Kyrie stays there, who knows? They might have beat the Warriors again. It might not have been the Raptors in there, and they might have stayed. And then to what KD did, leaving OKC after they were up 3-1, blow the lead to the Warriors, you're going to – I mean, no disrespect to KD as a human being, like as a person. Like, he seems like a good dude. He yeah, was constantly donating stuff. But I can't just forget that. Like, that's not something I can just forget yeah. that – we're up against a 73 and nine team yeah. and then you're going to go and join them. And I mean, I believe in the basketball gods as much as I believe in the one true God. And I think they're fair. Like Giannis got his ring for being loyal. Dirt got his ring for being loyal. Like this is the time I think where the basketball gods are like, you know what Westbrook, we're going to reward you, you LeBron, y'all got to go earn it. But the basketball gods are fair. They'll get this one. They'll get that series. Straight through the hearts of the ones who betrayed him. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Can't write a script better than that. Yeah, and and I'm going to add this caveat because I know people listen to this podcast and they're going to say that uh, they have the Westbrook fans on this podcast and they just blamed everything on KD. I'm not going to sit here and say that Russell Westbrook played well that series. He didn't. Look, I'm not going to sit here and play. He said he played great that series. He didn't. But Russell Westbrook was who he always is. In that series, he just missed some shots. Kevin Durant, I was like, "Are you going to play?" Or like, <laughs> he just yeah. didn't play. So yeah, that, that's why we say that. Seven. Yeah, game yeah. six and seven. I mean, awful. As an OKC fan, those will be in my head forever because we had our chance. Like the Golden State Warriors are taking over our spot as like the darlings of the NBA because yep. of our injury problems from Pat Beverly hurting Westbrook's knee to Kevin Durant's Jones fracture, Serge Ibaka. Like, then we lose our spot as the darlings of the NBA. But then we come back and we're giving the Warriors everything they can handle with Robertson at the two, I might add. Great defender, but this is kind of where coaching comes in. They started playing Robertson as like a small ball four and letting him occupy the short corner to short corner zones, which when you're playing with Westbrook, like a guy like that, as soon as there's any amount of help, he hits a Robertson, Robertson gets a layup or a dunk. Yep. Like, that stuff's going to work beautifully with a guy like DeAndre Jordan, even a THT and a Reza, Mello. Like, but I do, I, I really think, you guys as Russ fans, I really think in my heart of hearts, this is like the perfect situation for him. Yes. Like, when he was in Houston, and like even the next style play, that D'Antoni ball, that isolation heavy ball, like J.D. was saying, like in Houston, when the Lakers doubled Harden, Harden kind of just left Russ out the draw. Like it made Russ look bad that 
Harding was getting trapped, and but that was part of the system. That will not happen with the way the Lakers style of play is, the way their offense is, and there won't just be these isolations where Russ is just, you know, lost on an island. And I think you'll see a lot of uh, Russ's off-ball play get some praise this year as a slasher yes. and a cutter. Yes, I think yes. That'll come because, and I, I, I think KD, I do think KD is the second best player in the world right now, but he's doesn't find guys like LeBron does. Like the way the chemistry that LeBron and Russ will have and Russ knowing that if he cuts he'll get the ball. You know, versus exactly what you're saying, K D just didn't set him up in that way, you know. Yeah. So you're saying LeBron James isn't gonna stand at half court while everybody else plays offense. That's what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that dude. drove me nuts. I know they said there was strategy, but I was like you're He's one of the best offensive players in the NBA. He's going to leave him out to, at the half court line. Just stupid. But that was yeah. the strategy anyway. Um, yeah, uh, I will say that. I will tell Laker Nation right now, something you'll hear me say a lot throughout the season is I really don't care. I care about what type of shots Russell Westbrook takes. But I, a lot of times you hear me say, I really don't care where Russell Westbrook shoots as long as he takes the right shots and he's controlling the game. That's what I always say. Is he in control of the game? Which is beautiful because now – for the most part, it'll be LeBron James who's in control of the game. So it's more of like, okay, so in the LeBron James-less minutes, is Russell Westbrook in control of the game? Because there are only about a handful of players in the NBA who can completely control a game. Russell Westbrook and LeBron James are two of those players. So I always say, you know, people freak out. Ah, oh, he was 4 of 10, 40%. He's trash. He's inefficient. I'm like, what are you talking about? The jumper that rolled in and out? Like, I, I really don't care what he shoots as long as he's in control of the basketball game. Um, you'll hear me say that all the time, and it's not that I'm ignoring true shooting percentage. It's just I've seen Russ play a game where he's 7 of 10, and I actually didn't really like the way he played. That's just the truth. Like, yeah. I've, I've seen him do that where he shot efficiently, but I'm like, I don't really like the way he played the game. I didn't think he controlled the game well. So you hear me say that a lot. Um, and now he doesn't have to control it for 30, 60, 40 minutes because LeBron James is going to control it for most of the time, and then he's just got to control it when it's his time to control it. Um, so you'll hear me say that quite a bit. And that's another reason why I like the Lakers is they can control an entire game. They have two guys on the floor that can completely control an entire basketball game. Look, James Harden can as well. Can Kyrie? Kyrie's an efficient, potent, one probably the best offensive player ever. One of, I won't say ever. He's one yeah. of the best offensive players ever. But does he really control an entire basketball game? I don't think so. And Kyrie's the same way. Um, but LeBron James and Russell Westbrook can. And that's that that that's something I, I think gets lost. Or I'll sit uh, back and say Russell Westbrook is in complete control of this basketball game. If if you look at the talent the, the way that Russ takes even that OKC roster he dragged to the playoffs and won MVP with he's able to do that, right? Where maybe Kyrie with that same exact roster doesn't elevate the play of his teammates in that way. Right. But it seemed a more efficient score, better shooter score. But people get caught up in those numbers when there's so many more ways to impact. Yeah. yeah. And then case in point, you can look at the Bucks this year. Probably the worst three-point shooting team in the last five to seven to actually win the championship. They played very much inside out, paint scoring dominated. And, like, I'm not saying Russell Westbrook's Drew Holiday on defense by any means, but the way Drew, Drew Holiday can impact the game without on his off scoring nights, 
very similar to what you're talking about with LeBron and Westbrook. Not only can they control a whole game, they can do it on off shooting nights. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's going to pay dividends in the playoffs and any seven-game series that they potentially get in, whether it be the Nets or somebody like the Suns trying to get out of the West. And it's just invaluable skill set to have when you can control a game based off your passing and your elevating of your teammates, especially like when you stagger their minutes and you have Westbrook playing with the bench or Rondo, just just having Rondo for that matter. But when you actually have a Westbrook or a LeBron playing with bench players, they can really turn them into starters, like starter caliber players by getting everything out of their potential impact that they possibly can because they are extremely high Q, high IQ basketball players and they know how to win games. They know the team in front of them. And you can count on guys like Westbrook and LeBron to yep. give it their everything. Yep. I definitely agree. All right. So I'm going to let you guys plug anything. If you need to plug anything, and then um, we'll get on out of here. Yes, sir. I'm good on the plugs. <laughs> I am. Yeah, nothing to plug for me. Just exciting times. This is one of the most exciting Lakers seasons I can remember coming up on, and I think there's like 22 days left until our first preseason game, which is against Brooklyn of all teams. So, yep, <laughs> it's just exciting time. The preview. Right it's got to be fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Westwood Podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'm on all the major podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, CastBox, and much, much more. So please hit that subscribe button. Also, if you like video analysis, breakdowns of offense and defense, go follow my YouTube channel, J-Rock Soccer and Basketball Sessions. Plenty of channels of me and my son playing soccer, but plenty of basketball NBA breakdown as well. So make sure you go check that out and hit that subscribe button. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, I'm going to try and do this every now and then and just include some fans in the podcast. So if it's something you're interested in, make sure you send me a direct message at Russell Westbrook gets a chip at Always and Forever Art. But I appreciate you guys so much for listening to the Westwood Podcast. I am your host, J.D. Jackson. And as always, until next time, peace.